So welcome everybody to another episode of the Rematches Clubcast. Here is what you have to look forward to in tonight's episode. Pam. You lay who. That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> what happens if I launch um, a website called .org.beer.com? Did you blow that directly into the microphone? Yeah. Oh, I meant to go the other way. What? Mm. Holy wait, shit. Have we not talked about Oberon? Because no. I've been drinking Oberon since before this podcast was we have uh, not twinkle in my Oberon. eye. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Neutral feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all I taking think... place inside of a hot topic. Nope, not at all. Okay. All right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's literally just a hot topic. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Why isn't that called the three beard system? Oh, okay. There it goes. Okay, okay. perfect. We agree that you should go on a rant for five minutes and disagree <laughs> with your agreement. Is that what I'm saying? I, I thought it was a far cry from normalcy, to be honest with you. I think that's the play on the entire franchise, but go ahead. <laughs> that, clap, that was clap, my, clap, clap, uh, clap. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about how I'll, how I'll use that all day long, by the way. Oh, good <laughs> um, for you. It's been done in Macedons. <laughs> Can we start this over? Welcome to the official podcast of the Brewmasters Club. Craft brews and geek news. Sit back, pour yourself a pint, and let's get into it. Now here's the founder of the Brewmasters Club and your host, Donnie Gallagher. Welcome to another episode of the Brewmasters Club podcast. This is Craft Brews and Geek News. We are joined tonight by our, uh, of course, esteemed guest here. First off, Mr. Ryan. Uh, how are you, sir? Ooh, I'm feeling esteemed. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you are esteemed. You're a steamy, get it? I am steamy out there in the, in the patio in Florida. Yes. No, it's not uh, French. Why do you keep going to the French? I don't know. Talking? Was I thought I was trying to be Mario. <laughs> it's a me. A <laughs> it's yes. a me, a steamy. Right. Was that more uh, French? I didn't I got uh, uh weird. Can we start this over? No, we cannot. <laughs> Should I just fall uh, off a cliff, die, and start at the beginning? Yeah, <laughs> if you want to. It's up to you. Don't, you've got children in the mix now. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mr. Uh, our, our second guest here is Mr. Lossman. Mr. Lossman, how are you today? You lay he who. That's how I'm feeling. Good. Exactly how I'm feeling. Okay. Well, great. Well, welcome. And this is uh, the 40th. <laughs> Congratulations, everyone. 40th episode of the nice. Matches Club podcast, Craft Brews Geek News. Um, this is going to be a action-packed show, and we do have a, a small sponsor, really more of a shout-out. We just want to give a, a, a props to the guys at Cynic Systems um, for making this awesome product that I've been using quite often. We use for the uh, Temple Terrace Craft Brew Fest is the Cynic System, and it's basically a kegerator for your growler. Um, it's just a fantastic little tool. Keeps it cold any temperature you want to. You put any kind of beer you want in it, and um, it's brewery fresh. And it, you have a little tap handle. It's, it's really a fantastic device. It's beautiful looking. It's about the size of a Keurig, and it fits on your counter. keeps your wife happy because you will keep your growlers out of the fridge and in a refrigerated unit, uh, which is fantastic. Um, the price of these bad boys are usually about 400 bucks, but if you're a fan of the Brewmasters Club, 
we actually have a uh, you can get your own very your very own cynic uh, for about 25% off which is 100 bucks at that point uh, pretty good deal so go to www.cynic.beer um, and enter the, the promo code brewmasters club at checkout and you'll get 25% off that's 100 bucks pretty good deal Ryan loves this thing don't you I absolutely do it's got so many uses for it man you also say you can, you can actually unplug it and take it to a tailgate you like literally throw it in the back of your trunk like right oh. it, it's, it's a little fridge so if you don't open the doors or anything it will keep your beer cold for like eight hours i mean with so, like no questions asked so it doesn't need to be plugged in to actually uh use the co2 and all that stuff like no I the, mean, CO2, the co2 uh, all that, all that function, that's a game changer so that all that all takes place with the co2 cartridge you get a 20 ounce co2 that fits in each unit and basically though yeah. that will last for about 50 50 i want to say pours but it's i think it's more than that i think the guy that we talked to said it was upwards of 60 so he actually had oh my like god five or six growlers that he could exchange and still use the same co2 that same tank you can fill up for like five bucks at any co2 refillery place in town which is pretty oh, that's awesome fantastic yeah, that, yeah. I, I didn't even think about that no you, you literally just you, you like a computer you pull the plug out of it you set it in your trunk you drive to the tailgate and then you've got very fresh beer 64 ounces man like that's 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 10 or 11 12 beers you know you can get out of that but you throw an extra growler in the cooler right and when that one's yeah. empty, you pull out that growler and boom, man, now you've got like a 24 pack and it's yep. cold and it's refrigerated and it's brewery fresh and it has a CO2. So it's, it's, it's an amazing system. And at that point, you better have a TV set up because you are not making it inside that game. <laughs> not, if you, <laughs> not if you kill like a whole case of beer. I mean, I don't know. but <laughs> That's awesome. But again, yeah, no. So again, that is, um, you can get your very own Cynic for two ninety nine, which which is a hell of a deal. Um, go to uh, www.cynic, that's S-Y-N-E-K dot beer, B-E-E-R, and enter the promo code Brewmasters Club at checkout after you put your growler adapter, your bronze model in there, everything that you wanted to, to get out of it. Um, and then you, you get one for 100 bucks off, so it's a pretty good deal. So Cool. That's all I have to say about that. Last man, you ready to go? Uh, yeah, I'm also hoping that dot beers really take off and they just re- start replacing dot orgs. That'd be cool. Well, uh, I don't know if they'll replace dot orgs. I mean, they're very different, uh, uh the corporate structure, if you will. <clears throat> what happens if everything's just dot and then what it is, and then we just get real general with everything like dot car. Well, you should actually dot <laughs> like car dot last man. <laughs> you should, you should talk to the good folks at GoDaddy because they're the ones that are kind of leading the way with the ICANN system, which is the one that kind of organizes all the dots, whatever we have dot beer dot club, which is the brewmasters club. We have dot um, org, of course, dot, I think like teacher dot uh, stop dot whatever you want. So there's a whole lot of domains out there, but that's an ad for GoDaddy and uh, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> what happens if I launch um, a website called dot org dot beer? com that's fine well wait now now it's a little complicated <laughs> see that's where i got you the second oh, that okay well why don't you look it up with our friends at GoDaddy? because i have no idea how the hell to answer that <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> we are the brewmasters club we are the official podcast of the brewmasters club <clears throat> crackers geek news let's get into what we are drinking what are we going to drink i have a fan favorite uh thanks to everybody that tweeted in with that last man has had it in the past I would like someone else to lead. Laos, Ryan, I saw, I heard you cracking something. All right, go for it, buddy. So I've actually never had this, and I, I, I come into this actually unresearched. I didn't even look it up on Beer Advocate or anything like that to find out what other people think. This is called the Killer Whale, and it's the uh, cream ale out of, the, uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida, out of Bold City Brewery. Yep. Uh, the can so- is amazing. That whale, cartoon whale, um, is awesome. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I was like, yeah, that's kind of neat, but I'm not really into cream ale, so I figured I'd give it a shot, and here it is. It's creamy, and <laughs> it's an ale. So, so, so the thing I've the thing I've noticed about like typical very cream. much. Wait, real quick, it's very yeah. much along the same lines of. Uh, I hate to say it, but I mean, because it's it's definitely more refreshing tasting, but it's it's very much along the same lines of like a McUltra or Miller Lite. I, the you cream know, ale. No other way to describe it. Yeah, the cream ales add like a, a a tiny like almost vanilla ish finish to it, but really, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. they're 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 heavy beers. They are heavy beers. They're by no means a light beer like a McUltra. No, no. But I, I just saying along the same flavor profile. Flavor. Yeah, <laughs> there's just really it, it finishes light and kind of kind of vanilla y, but huh. there's not a lot to them. Yeah, I could actually go back for this. Like, if I was just out and wanted to stay nice and light, this is actually really good. I should have bought two cans. <laughs> I was at the Larry Parkade tonight, which is a which is a, a arcade retro arcade kind of a bar that has thirty four local taps, which is also freaking amazing. Um, but I, I had a couple of cream ales out there, and like that's what I like about them. Like the cream ales, they they drink very light, they taste very like drinkable. You know what I mean? You could have a couple of those. I wouldn't take it to the beach. I wouldn't have it at a bonfire. Did you blow that directly into the microphone? Yeah. Oh, I meant to go the other way. Yeah, I saw that though. Maybe it's the camera that just just made it look the other way. But <laughs> nope. Sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> Didn't. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the cream ales, you know, they're good for like what I would what I would describe as like cold, cold, you know, jacuzzi nights. Like I love having like those. Those make me re- like remind me of being at the top of the ski hill when I'm snowboarding or whatever. Like yeah. when I'm out there in the cold, sitting in a jacuzzi, throwing snowballs. I mean, that's that's when I reach for the for the the cream ales because. Uh, they're good. They're just not my necessarily cup of tea. They always remind me of uh, you know snowboarding down a hill in a jacuzzi. Oh yeah. How many <laughs> times have you done that? It's well, there's only one time, but you know that's all it takes. That's all that's you all need it takes huh? to develop a new sport: jacuzzi boarding. <laughs> jacuzzi boarding. We call it coozing. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> oh, of course, he has one. It finishes really. I, I got to tell you though, if it, this one finishes really dry, is that normal for cream? Ale? Imagine, imagine a cream soda, right? What does a cream soda leave you oh. with? It's got you've got vanilla notes in the back of your tongue, and then it leaves you with kind of just a little bit of sweetness. That's really all it is. So is that is that what makes it considered a cream ale? Is just the vanilla then, or I mean, is there like a different? Because I I don't know. I've never I've never had a cream ale such as this. I've never brewed one. So you know, what makes it? Uh, that's I want to know. That's a fantastic question. I really don't even know the answer to that because like you, I've not brewed a cream ale. I've not really, you know, delved into the the background of it. Well, I think you have some insight on this. Uh, it's probably because I had milk at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they would add milk to beer though. I mean, there's why not? Maybe they some natural sugars they could ferment, but <laughs> they don't add milk like, to beer. That is how much sugar is in milk? <laughs> Maybe they add cream. I mean, Mm. Nope, nope. That's definitely this not. isn't Starbucks, Laos. This is not. Okay, your, all right. Okay. Get your all coconut right. cream splash here. No, I can absolutely, I can definitively tell you what, what, why it's called a cream ale. Um, just because I googled it. I mean, the, the fact that it's called a killer whale. I'm wondering what kind of. Never mind. I won't even say it. Um, I was going. I was going more negative. Were you? Go I'm ahead. Just, Explain. Uh, Elaborate, please. Go ahead. <laughs> 
Mm. No, I don't want to. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, it's not podcast worthy. At that point. Okay. Well, so before we go down that, well, no, well, let's move on. No. Okay. So before we go down that route, let me just let me just explain uh, the description that I have for cream ales. Uh, basically, they're they're an American light lager, uh, similar to what you said, like Miller or McUltra, whatever those light beers are. But these are ales that are, are finished with a lager yeast or a lager uh, beer mixed in adjuncts like corn uh, and rice are used to lighten the body. And it's not uncommon um, for small uh, brewers to make cream ales because uh, pale ales like straw, uh, they use straw in pale gold color. So they have a low hop bittering um, mm. and they keep it very uh, a light hop aroma. So some micros are given the style um, of this kind of cream ale, but uh, they're very, you know, well carbonated and they're, they're just kind of lighter beers. Yeah. So a lot of them don't even taste like that vanilla finish. I've had a few that are really heavy with it, but those are mostly like they taste more like a, like a lighter vanilla porter than they do like a cream ale. So I don't know, but I do like them. I, I like exploring those because every one of those, what I've noticed are a little bit different. Nice. So, well, next time you see it, pick up the bold city brewery killer whale. Ale. I just like it because it's a little killer whale with like an inner tube and it's cool. Yeah. And like it's that's awesome. a cool. I think it, it's, it's a, got a little tattoo says mom on it yeah. <laughs> with a heart and a on, his, on his arm. Yeah. On his little yeah. Paper. It's cool. I think that's one of the coolest cream ales that I've had. So, so good. Good on you for that. Last yeah. minute, are you ready to, to tell us what you got? Or you want me to go? Sure. No, I got one. I, what I have isn't, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's been mentioned. Actually, I had to think pretty long and hard about it, but it should have been mentioned at this long point. And hard. I have the Bell's Oberon. What? Mm. Holy wait, shit. Have we not talked about Oberon? Because no. I've been drinking Oberon since before this podcast was we have uh, not twinkle in my eye. <laughs> I don't think we have. Oh like, God. I really had to think about it. And good, I was like, good on you, Lausman. Thanks. That was my first yeah, non traditional um, beer, by the way, back in like that was, 2010. That was my, <laughs> that was my first, if, if you quote unquote, non traditional. But that was, you know, our, our good buddy, uh, Chet, man, from Kalamazoo, Kazoo. That's where Oberon comes from, is from the uh, Kalamazoo Brewery. So, yep. uh, man, he got me onto that too because Oberon, unlike uh, Blue Moon and stuff, has like a 5.7 or like a 6 or almost uh, percentage alcohol-wise. And it is it is hands down better than Shock Top, better than uh, Blue Moon, uh, better than a lot of those those wheats that you get out there. So go ahead, man. I'm yep. sorry. I don't mean to capitalize on that. But Oberon, shit. Wonderful beer. Yeah. yeah. Nice surprise. I feel like I, well, thank Good you. Job. I feel like it's been there the whole time, but we just never talked about it. That's um, absolutely accurate. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great American wheat ale. Uh, I like it because it's got a little bit of a spice to it, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, I always like to get, oh, yeah, that happened. Um, I always like weird stuff. And I ever since I tried that jalapeno beer, I've kind of wanted to go back to spicy beers. Um, but there's just enough of it to not get too weird. <laughs> so uh really cool actually um and i was really kind of not gonna lie i was almost not in the mood for it because i worked in the sun all day way too hard and i'm a ginger so i just shouldn't be there anyways <laughs> but um so i was like great i was like after a long hot day i'll just come home to a wheat and i was like that's a right shit idea but uh but actually it was way more way more tasty than i thought it'd be and it was a little bit more lighter than i thought it would be so i think the word wheat just kind of scares me sometimes because i don't want like a bowl of cheerios or something like that It'll get me all down like i just want to be like nice and light right now but honestly like, honestly for most of the weeds that are out there have you ever had one that really like a wheat beer specifically that it's like weighed you down because i think wheat gets a bad rap for that specific 
like reason. Like I think that a lot of people have the same mentality when you're like, oh, wheat beers, you know, they're going to be thick. They're going to be heavy. It's going to be like, like chewing oatmeal or whatever, but it's really not. I mean, wheat yep. beers are simply all they are defined as is they use, they use a different adjuncts. They use a different you know, extra ingredient, which is the wheat. And that, 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 that creates, you know, that golden haze and whatnot, but it never, at least the commercially brewed ones, like do not, they do not weigh you down. It's not like you're, you're actually ingesting that, that thickness that is the, the clarity and color of it. You really just, it's a, it's a, it's a crisp, it's a tart kind of flavor to it. Usually backed by citrus or coriander or something. It, it's very refreshing. Like you said at yeah. the beach, it's very refreshing. Yeah. It just doesn't sound like it. it sounds like I'm just going to be drinking oat soup or something like that. <laughs> yep. Next, but I'll like have it. to try the gluten-free option. No, oh, that was not, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, right? <laughs> I hope so. No. I really hope so. <laughs> wheat is gluten. Gluten is wheat. You can't have gluten-free wheat beer. That was the joke. Okay. Well, that's the well, why I asked. No, the option of beer, not not the wheat part. That just uh, well, a gluten-free joke. Only the, the jokes to Laos. Yeah, just do that. <laughs> He'll fuck him up. For oh, all of us. I'm laughing like him now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Laos, right. fuck one up for me so I don't feel as bad. Nah, I'm alright for right now. <laughs> tell Donnie, tell Donnie to cut it out, like when he edits. Oh, there's number two, man. Oh. He's really going. <laughs> so, I brought an old favorite from Laos's cabinet, at least. Um, I got, um, I got the, the old hell tankard. Is that? Yeah, this is the old tanker. Old tanker. And honestly, I, I was not going to get this, but. You you talked about it last the one time that you had old tankard is from um, Pabst Blue Ribbon and mm-hmm. this is what sold me just because of the the marketing and I can strictly be be a, a, a whatever a, a patsy for it they just said open beer pour in tanker consume I was like okay that's fine I was like that's what I feel like doing this is this was they had four packs on sale at the local store and I was like you know what Laos talked about it one time I've never had it apparently it's the 1937 Brewer's Log recipe. Um, so this, you know, what their whole gimmick is, is that, you know, this is Paps again, Paps Lure. A craft beer is not a new idea. In fact, it's over 80 years old. In 1935, the first year beer was ever packaged in cans, uh, Paps introduced the old tankard ale and its proprietary keg-lined tapa can to retain its freshness. Uh, essentially, they say there's three, there's three rules of this. Open can, pour into tankard, hoist with friends. This was 1930, so I don't know how many tankards were actually out there <laughs> floating around in, in functionality and real real use, but um, it's uh, it's ugh, it doesn't smell that great. <laughs> it really doesn't. It smells like an over. It smells like a malt beer. Like it just smells a little malty, a little like too much. Um, foam is okay. Color is decent. It looks like an amber, but it doesn't anywhere say it is on there. It's really just. I think what it's meant to be is is an old school recipe for an old school beer, um, and that's kind of how it how it tastes. So again, this is a product of Pabst Blue Ribbon, so take it as you wish. But I really wanted to try it because I think episode eight, nine, ten, something like that. Whilst you had pulled it out of the fridge or whatever, and I've never tried one, so thanks for that. <laughs> Neutral feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We are going to, if you guys want anything else on that, we're going to move on to our actual news. The, 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 the meat and potatoes of this, uh, this barley soup that we have called a podcast. Oh, um, Lord. <laughs> essentially. I'm already full. <laughs> I hope you guys are stuck in traffic listening to this podcast because it's a doozy. 
No, it's not. It's not going to be long. We are going no, to, I know, I know. We're going to skim through because what I did was we. there's a lot to talk about on this. The first thing that I thought was very interesting was the new Stone beer um, because they, they released a new beer. Um, I think it was like literally three days ago, which, which was called the Ghost Hammer IPA. And this will be available um, in the uh, next few – I think it starts in June, which is, which is today, June 1st. Um, and it will actually be an IPA um, made out of Belma Hop, Centennial, and Magnum. Uh, available in 12 ounce cans and it is debuting in june 2017 it's a 6.7 uh, abv excuse me and the um the hoppy mad scientists at stone brewing made their indian pale ale uh, a little bit more spicy so the overnight crew was really responsible for this as in they tested some things and found out by throwing all these three different or four different uh, very unique hops together they can make a truly unique beer um, and that's what kind of came out of the the ghost hammer so I'm all about it. I love IPAs. I'm actually on to a bit of a sour Belgian still kick. Um, but the, this beer will be uh, very unique. And if you can get it at the brewery right now, that's great. If not, just just hang tight because um, they'll be able to buy it in stores here, you know, coming late June. So I think it's a cool thing. I love Stone. I'm sorry their hotel kind of fell through for the moment or is at least on hold. Um, but this beer has coriander, grains of paradise, and citrus. So, I mean, it's going to be spicy. It's going to be citrusy, but I'm all about that. Yeah. You I like guess? the name. <laughs> no, it sounds like a great beer. And, and Magnum hops, I mean, that, those are those are very high in alpha acid. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a – it sounds like it's going to be a great beer. So, Why does the alpha acid make any difference, Ryan? <clears throat> well, it's like the bittering. It's, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, so it's a late stage so, hop that, that adds that bitter. Uh, so, in, in perspective, like I just brewed. Um, I've got a, a stout going right now, and the the last fifteen minutes, I dropped in a, a hop that only has an alpha acid of like four point four. So it's much lower than say a Magnum. No, so you know anything when you get like ten, eleven, twelve. I mean, that's what that's what you're using when when you're doing an IPA because they're much higher. You wouldn't use something like that in a porter or stout because you're not, you, you, you do taste some hops, but it's not supposed to be higher up on the, uh, on the IBU. So it's, it's, it's all one and the same. Cool. Well, yeah. I, I like it, man. I just love that you're now able to like, Los, l- l- listen to this man. He, he's like literally talking about different hop varieties for beers and like has, has, you know, the knowledge to talk about. It. So I, I think it's a great note. But Ryan, again, as I, as I always grandstand, man, you're, you're an example of what happens with the craft beer industry. You, you get to know it, you get to learn it, and you, you enjoy talking about it. And so it's, it's awesome, man. I'm glad that you, you, know, you can recognize how, how – into- I know Centennial. Centennials are, are the very like, citrusy ones. I know that for a fact. But the Magnums, you know, the, the, that flavor for the bittering is, is certainly unique. So. Yeah. No, it's – I mean – yeah, you just the more you brew, the more you the more you do, I guess. Oh come on, where's Lost? Wait, we got him a second there. Who's drinking? And, just, and fresh take. Go ahead, Lost. Go for it. That was good. Wait, you want me to do that? That was his. <laughs> that was. I'm back in the winter circle here. Yeah. yeah, that was that was good. The more you brew, the more you do. That's cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> got a good, good. He's searching. He's Undertone. searching. He's searching right now. He's searching for something. He can't. He's spinning these plates. They're going like this. He's spinning plates. It's got a good undertone. Now, and it. we're done. And we're moving on. So, Ryan, Ryan, actually, a uh, man of the hour here, sent an article over uh, a couple days ago about the uh, a new a new brewery. Well, mm-hmm. the new brewery fight, I guess, from the state of Texas. That is, that is 
uh, joining many counties, states, uh, whatever you want to say, regions, I guess, that are they're talking about this three-tiered system. Um, this three-tiered system, which is which is very controversial in terms of, well, really, it breaks down to a couple of things. Educated folks in, in the craft beer industry and beer drinkers and distributors and brewers. So there's there's like four different components to this because not everybody that drinks a beer really knows about what's going on behind the scenes. Then those who do drink a beer may feel jaded or, or in one way or another uh, lean towards one side or the other. Then you have the distributors. If I can remember this this pie chart that I'm making here, um, then you have the distributors who have one certain angle of it. Then you have the brewers who also have their own certain opinion in, in arcs, arcs from it. So what we did and what Ryan was alluding to in the beginning of this is that we kind of laid out a ton. I got history here. We have what led up to the system. We have the recent article. We have pros and cons as to this three-tiered system. But first, let's break it down. Ryan, I don't know if you want to take this. I can certainly do it if you if you want to. But what is this thing called the three tiered system? Well, um, you, brewer, distributor, consumer. Is that correct? Basically, yeah, that's correct. The the three tiers of everything. So it's how does the brewery get it to the consumer, and that is through the distributor. A distributor. Yep. Exactly. So so the reason the reason this whole thing started, and it's really actually a hot topic right now because there's so many breweries that are being either bought up by larger breweries or that are being distributed by larger or smaller breweries and then not sold in areas or sold in areas primarily because this agreement is in place. So let's back up a bit. It's all I taking think... place inside of a hot topic. Nope, not at okay. all. Okay. All right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's literally just a hot topic. <laughs> okay, that's fine. All right. So backing all the way up to 1933, basically the 18th Amendment uh, was repealed by the 21st, uh, which allowed for alcohol sales to come back and do to uh, function. So at that point, all um, states individually were creating environments in which um, different distribution of their alcohol was allowed. It, essentially, it was really, you know, Al Capone, you think with gangsters and things like that, it was really geared towards liquor sales. Well, with liquor comes beer, comes wine, comes everything else. So essentially... The U.S. government decided that they could break off, you know, different uh, states and to let them do whatever they want to with their alcohol. Some states said, well, listen, like like Utah and Colorado, they, you know, say, hey, we, we we appreciate alcohol. and That's great. But you can only make a beer that is three point five or three point two. It's three point two, I believe, law in Utah and Colorado, which I don't think is there anymore. Um, but in Utah, maybe, uh, you know, where you can only have a beer that's, that's limited in alcohol because X, Y, Z. So all these different states were able to break into each and each and all's like kind of rules and whatever they wanted to. But essentially, like Ryan mentioned, that the three-tiered system is the breweries make the beer. They put the beer into containers to be sold. The distributors buy the beer from the breweries. Then the distributors um, actually resell it to gas stations, bars, restaurants, wherever it may be. Then you buy, as the consumer, you buy the beer from the brewery, from the bar, from the restaurant, whatever it may be. So essentially, when you go into a brewery, and you think of like with a three-tiered system, you you see where the beer is made, and the beer is made, and then it's shipped off by kegs, and the kegs are bought by the distributor. Then the distributor sells that keg back to the brewery. And the brewery sits there, puts it in their fridge, and sells each individual pint to you. In essence, from the outside, again, now this goes back to the four blocks here, the consumer thinks, well, this is kind of crazy, right? If Ryan's Brewery brewed it, and it was brewed right there, then I should be able to buy it right here. And that's it. Because there's nothing better than fresh beer. But the three-tiered system has pros and cons. So Ryan, you sent me the article from this example in Dallas, Texas, 
I'd love for you to dive into this a little bit, and then let's let's go ahead and like cut through the fat here. This is something that we don't normally do. We don't normally we don't normally dive into all of these facts and really get into the nitty gritty. But I, I thought because it's so timely and there's so many people talking about it that like this is really a good example for us to to kind of dive into it and see you know what what humor, what fun, what what fact we can pull out of this. And last man, I'm looking at you, bro. You know, well, is there something on my face? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's it. I thought there was no comma. There was no comma. <laughs> in, 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 in a nutshell, the um, this this article came from uh, from Texas, and it was talking about their new beer bill and how it could end up costing uh, you know people from Texas you know money. But it's HB three two eight seven, and basically it's putting restrictions on these craft beer breweries that end up brewing 225,000 barrels of beer annually. And it's forcing them to buy back their own beer if they want to sell in their tap room. So if they're growing, which every business grows, every craft beer brewery wants to grow, if they're brewing that much, which is, I mean, I, I think that's relatively low in some counts, but, you know, it, they're, they're being forced to buy back their own beer. And it's not conducive for growth. In my opinion, and a little bit later, we're going to get into the the pros and cons of why this is good or bad. But it's funny because this article came out of Texas, which is which is one of many you know things. It happened in Florida. It's happened in Colorado. It's happened yep. in Maine. It's happened in yeah. basically every state that there is. There's a a, a a discussion about what's going on with the three tiered system. But it's funny because when I was researching the Texas House Bill three eight or the three eight three two eight seven that you mentioned. Um, I found this article here that that also had a caveat to that House bill is that, you know, and this was, again, this was a while ago, so it wasn't exactly for the same bill. But when the three-tiered system was was kind of laid out for Texas as it was previously, beside this year, um, there were exceptions that were put in there. And there's an article from Tasting Beer um, by Randy Mosher, and he basically described that there was an exemption set up by Texas's three-tiered system to allow for marine mammal attractions to sell the beer without a distributor. Essentially, it was literally targeting uh, SeaWorld in 2009, who was at the time owned by Anheuser-Busch. Like, so, so like these three-tiered systems are great and stuff, Mother but they're, they're, they're right there because there's corruption that's passed through this. And one of our good friends and good sponsors and, and a big supporter of the podcast is J.J. Taylor. Now, I'm not saying that distributors are nasty. I'm saying that there are ways to exploit this and there are ways to benefit this for not only the consumer, but for the distributor, for the average beer drinker, and for the brewery. So there's there's a lot of complexity behind this. But this is an example of how a three-tiered system can really turn sour. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, I'll leave you on that one. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. I think yeah, I got this right. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's 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 so it, it it's frustrating to the sense because you can, you obviously can't keep that much beer in hand and and distributors can't keep that much beer in hand. Maybe what could be looked at is what's the cost of delivering it back to us if if we can't keep it on site. I get that, but to to charge it in any other fashion is just I mean cuz it's like Ashley. She's she's a seamstress. She makes clothes. She sells it directly to the consumer, right? Yep. Well, if there was an entity, because because this is alcohol, I feel like there's there's this entity overseeing everything and pitpocketing and nothing against it's any. It's called middleman. <laughs> right, the middleman. Well, yeah. it's pitpocketing because it's not your craft, and uh, but you 
you want that distributor to distribute your beer, but at the same time not cost you if you're trying to distribute it back to your customers whilst at your own brewery, which it was brewed. Right. That is, I think, the biggest kicker in the ass. Well, so I feel like you had something for this. Why isn't that called the three beard system? Oh, okay. There it goes. Okay, <laughs> perfect. There's, there's the one. That's what I was looking for. So <laughs> I want to skip past because we, we kind of in discussion talked a lot about that stuff. But but there, there, so let's hit the pros and cons because this list was assembled essentially from like eight different websites. And I did like as much research as I could. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd love to be able to to list all those but like literally it's rapid fire so there, there's just some hot points some highlights um there are pros and, and i agree with a lot of these i mean this is again a the most non-biased i can be here but essentially um the three-tiered system encourages competition right because it's preventing tied houses with empowering you know independent distributed ships um to actually kind of expand their reach and like go a little bit bigger um or a little bit make a better quality product because if you don't have a quality product, they won't buy it. Right. So big distributor comes in to you, Ryan and says, Hey Ryan, love your brewery. This is great. Oh, your, your first beer is great. Your second beer is great. Your third beer is shit. You'll stop making that beer. They'll make a better beer that is test marketer that is sold and people buy good for business. Right. So there's mm-hmm. one um, by uh, the pro. The other pro is a, a third tier system encourages fair and open marketplace as in, Think about a third tier, so a distributor, um, as you know, the stock market. Again, good beers rise, bad beers fall, right? And that's that's good because it weeds out shitty breweries and it, and it gives the consumer, you, me, Laos, more products to choose from. Not only does it do that, but it opens up distribution and it allows that beer to move efficiently. So like you're in Miami, right? And you're drinking the Trappist Ale, which you love. But you live in Tallahassee, right? So like you want to drink that same beer up there. If there's not a, 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 a statewide distributor that will get you that beer, then guess what? You will not be able to drink that Miami Trappist that you love so much in Tallahassee. And I understand that. Or say you're in, in Colorado or you're in New York or Michigan or wherever you may be. So like I get it. Distributors that can help that kind of power are great. And that's what a three-tiered system does do well. That's exactly the point I just had. It's when you need to sell. Well, let's say you're you're completely out at your own your own brewery. It's when you need to sell it to the consumer. You have to buy it back. It's yeah. it's a double tax. Sure. Well, I, I don't. That's the only thing I think people are pissed about. Is a double tax? I don't. Well, I don't yeah. I, I don't understand that. So I can't even speak to that because I do not know that there's a double tax imposed <clears throat> on that. Like I don't know if you're the brewery making the beer and you supply it to the supplier and they don't give you any kind of discount to buy it back. Well, so, I don't know what that is. So to to kind of bring in a conversation that I have with a local brewery, I don't want to say their name because they're a great brewery. I go there all the time, and we can actually set up an interview with him. He said that he would talk um, about everything. They've they formulated their own distribution company for this purpose because his wife runs it. Because they can distribute, they they're on tap at ABC Liquor. They're they're on tap at Wild or at World of Beer, and um, they have all these things going for them without using a major distribution company, without paying those sort of fees, if you will. Because and they kind of keep it not yeah. in house because there's still things that they have to pay for to to run the services, but they're doing it at their own expense without being subjected to what. Um, a distribution company has them do. The other side to that is that the distribution companies will take their beer. 
not take it, but you know, take it to their warehouse. They and purchase it's it. Up to the, <laughs> well, they purchase it, but it's up to the brewery at that point to go out and sell accounts like at different restaurants and different bars to get their beer distributed into it. Whereas if you take a nationally you know, known beer like Budweiser or, or, or Miller or something like that, have accounts set up for it. So there's, they're not going, they don't have to go out. Go so ahead. let's 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 get into that with the cons. Lost thoughts? I think there's another party that would be quite upset with that is the guy who has to pick up the kegs and put them in the truck and then <laughs> pick them back up and be like, I don't know why I'm doing that. And put them back on a two-wheel dolly. This guy's like, just well, thinking about his whole again. life. Yeah, he's thinking about his whole yeah, life. Hey, like, God you, damn it. I, I just picked this beer up here. Why don't I drop back off here? It's fucked up. Does he have to leave the parking lot? The, like, or does oh, he just, well, <laughs> that's, that's a great perspective. <laughs> These are the great. These are the questions. I mean, so the last, the last <laughs> pro I have before we totally dive into the comments. Sorry, sorry. That's no, good. No, yeah. it's good. It's good because a lot of a lot of your points are relevant, and you'll see that here at the top of the the, the cons, you know, to this. But the the end of the all, and there's there's you can ask every single brewery, you can ask every single trivia, you can ask every consumer or uh, politician or whoever the lobbyists are. There is without a doubt, no doubt at all, that the third tier system is absolutely the cheapest way to do it because. Ryan's Brewery that makes 50 gallons a year or whatever it may be, you would never get your cans outside of a 10-mile radius without a distributor. And that is a, a ironclad fact. You can lock that up, put it in the Bible and, and, and stuff in the drawer. I mean, that is, that is a fact. You as an as a independent brewer who is emerging like a craft life or an in-the-loop or a big storm at one point could never get to where they are now without a distributor. So... What does that mean? Well, you have to sell your goddamn beer to a distributor to buy it back, to serve it at your tap room. That is just how it, how it would happen, how it could happen. And it's the only way it can happen without short of, short of making your own distributorship. But that's great. But there's, there's a bunch of cons with that because a small distributor can't get the same reach as a Pepin or a large nationwide distributor can get. And that is a fact. But totally not disagreeing with that. When it needs to come back to your brewery, mark it off. Like, just make it a clean sweep. Like, that's. I guess that. Well, they have that's the. Models, I think. But you're I think not. That's privy the only that. thing. But you don't understand. Yeah. You don't know that. I don't know that. That is not. Well, that's no. not our negotiation. That's between the brewery, the distributor, and whoever they <clears> distribute <throat> to. So that that but, is that is but, a conversation that we cannot even touch on because we don't understand. No, but that's. I think what the point of the article is. Uh, at least that's why people would be mad because again, it's not distribution companies that are the problem. It's the selling it back to the brewery, and that's what it says here. It, it, you know, crap breweries in Texas and, and and everything like Texans. You know, having to pay more to drink. If 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 the brewery has to up their charges or or uh, compensate for buying their beer back, or even if there's a tax on it at, at buying their beer back, that is, I think, the issue with the three tier three tier system. Without the other side of things, where you have to go out and pay people to sign up accounts to get your beer into their restaurants, that's that's the problem. Lost man rebuttal uh, on a oh boy. <laughs> uh, on a serious note for uh, just a quick second. <laughs> Do they like? Do they? Have, I'm not serious. <laughs> I'm, well, not too often. I'm not. Um, but do they have to actually pay like full price, or do they just go? Hey, it's like four bucks, dude. It's for like a keg. It's cool. Well, that's what I don't know, and and that's again what I what I I'm, I'm going off of the facts and the statistics and all the stuff that we could find. But what I don't know is what I can't talk about. So like, I would love to be so like. That's uh, what we need to know. 
Yeah, and that's me too. So, so maybe there's a maybe there's a buddy of this bird that wants to talk to us about it. Please, if you if you want to shed some light on this, if you want to be featured, and you would love for us to talk about you, we would love to do so. Um, hashtag Brewmasters Club cast um, on Twitter, Instagram, or simply just email us at info at brewmasters.club. Um, let us know what's going on. We, we we have a hotline you can call in. We'd love to interview you to talk about this because again, this has been such a hot button issue that's came up in in recent you know recent days and, and weeks and months. I would love to know from an insider perspective exactly what goes on because I'm sure there's there's peaks and valleys, but we've got to get on yeah. to the concert, bro, so we can keep going. Keep I thought I mentioned a couple. Sorry, we're not Go even ahead. there yet. Lost man, you got anything? Are we <sighs> keep growing? That was my thing. <laughs> okay, well. So we're only a third way down the notes, Donnie. I'm going to run through these real fast. I'm going to run through them real fast. So essentially, and we, we touched on a couple of these, Ryan, specifically you did in in your last little um, discussion there. Um, Cons. So the bad part is that new breweries find it difficult to land a brewery or distributor contract. I get that. If you think about it here in Tampa Bay, there are one, there's one big fish, there's a secondary, there's a a tertiary, right? Besides that it's mom and pops that do it. So mom and pops don't have the same fucking swagger you know, walking into a Circle K or a Walmart or a liquor store, wherever it may be, that, that, a, that a big dog would. So there's the challenge there, right? And if you allow this three-tiered system where maybe this one, this one guy can own most of it and, say, the largest, you know, beer company in the world, it, it might be a challenge for Ryan's Brewery with their 50,000 gallons a year to, to get on board with that. I, it's simply common sense that might be difficult. I just, I just imagined a really cool couple, walk, like an older couple, walking into a Circle K. <laughs> I mean, we'd be like lots of swagger, and they're just like, "Man, come on, man, you want my beer? What's wrong with you?" I mean, at that, at that point, though, like Donnie, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. Like, let, let's let's be honest here. Uh, Tim from Craft Life makes great beer, but we've we've and we've seen his production setup. We've seen how everything's growing at this point. His his uh, pumpkin beer is phenomenal maybe that could be distributed one day that would be the one that i would take and maybe even the christmas sale but if if you're if you're just beginning and you, and you want to distribute that's fine but people have to have a need for it like that's that's okay that's competition so i'm i'm not i'm not i don't think that's really a negative if i mean you're not they're not looking to to sign you up right away I, so right I, I think you have to kind of build that in i know that's a negative twist to it but no, I'm telling you, that's I mean, just that's just the number one. That's the number one con. But have you ever bought a craft life beer out of a can or a bottle <laughs> at any place ever? Well, no. But right, right. But eventually, if if but if people were going there daily to buy the 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 pumpkin ale or to buy the Christmas beer that we had, which was pretty rad, at that point, a distributor should come in and say, "Hey, this beer is fantastic. Can you brew thousands of gallons of it, and we'll we'll distribute it for you?" Um. All right. But that's that one beer. That's why – wait, wait. Big Storm has so many beers on tap. But every time I go to the store, there's like three, maybe four beers that I can buy a six-pack of. Flagship beers. That's what they're called. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think so, that, I think that you're getting confused with a negative as to a positive because we're, we're speaking the same language. Well, your, your point is exactly what I just said. It's difficult for new breweries to get in there. But they've got to have the beer that – keeps people coming back to their brewery first. Yeah, that's competition. That's fine. The right. problem is that they, they can't compete with the larger guys. That's what makes this a problem. I'm saying me, me and you were proponing the same same thing. If you will. But, no, the con, the con is against, it's against the three-tier system, which we, we are saying oh. the same thing. Oh, well then, fine. <laughs> All right. Anyways, <laughs> the next one 
the next one is that this can result in higher pro- prices to the consumer. Ryan, do you have any similar yet opposing views that you want to reflect on this one? Paralleling. No, nope, you're good. You agree? What was the question? That question. That this can result in higher prices to the end consumer and a less profit for the producers. We agree that you should go on a rant for five minutes and disagree <laughs> with your agreement. Is that what I'm saying? I guess so. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm confusing Ryan. <laughs> yep. I'm not trying to, buddy. All right. I thought we were on the con side of things, we and are. I was like, these yeah, all, I agree with that. So then I had to find a way to disagree with that. No, they're all negatives. <laughs> they're all negatives. Um, the, other, the other point is that, uh. is that beer is generally consumed best fresh. We all know that one because the longer it takes to get to the end consumer, as in I bottle it, I keg it, I sell it, I buy it back, I sell it again to the consumer, the, the more it hurts the beer, especially when you're talking about a craft life or a, a smaller brewing facility yeah. that does not maybe have – pasteurization or canning or those things because pasteurization is the only thing that keeps your beer the beer that you're drinking now the beer that you're drinking now the beer that i'm drinking now shelf life good enough to last actually through to when you're actually going to grab it and, and buy off the shelf of Publix, whoever and actually consume it so totally agree with that that's a con the longer it takes to get into my hand the bigger problem it is for me um Tell me about it Moving on, retailers make decisions based on their relationships with, with distributors, which can absolutely skew the free market of beer sale, which again, Ryan, lends to your point. Hey, I, I've got this real good in with you know, these guys, and they only sell you know, domestic products. So if, one, if, they're, if I'm not a big shelf brewery, then I'm not going to get shelf space. That's exactly what happens, and that will, that will fuck everybody that, that wants to be a small brewer. <clears throat> states can make their own laws, which is great, but states cannot usually adapt their laws to one or two or small breweries and, and their stakes. It's, it's lobbying. It's, it's thousands and millions of dollars uh, mm. you know, trying to get, hey, well, well, we want the three-tiered system to have this kind of approach, and well, that would take you know, the craft lives or the big swims or whoever to really pony up to get those lobbyists in there now. Not only you're not worried about the beer or the product or the consumer, but you're you're strictly just putting funding against you're getting politicians to make a decision that is different from what you what you wanted, which is messed up. It's very messed up. A few more just to just to break this out. It's an archaic system. So again, I referenced 1933 and prohibition broke. Um, this is this is kind of what came out of that, and it's been that way ever since. And not that that the states or the distributors have anything to do with it. I think the distributors have a great place to be because, again, it, it lends to cheaper craft beer for everyone, cheaper distribution for all breweries. And that's great because I want to enjoy the beer that I like no matter where I am. And distributors let that happen. But um, it is nearly impossible to acquire, you know, adequate like mindshare or adequate mindshare with the distributor when, you're, when your brand represents such a small profit. So if you are a contributor to X distributor and you, you contribute zero one percent of their sales you think they really care about where ryan's brewery beer is going to be they simply don't does your brewery sucks by the sound of it it really doesn't but i'm saying if you imagine you know if you imagine being a small brewery like say craft life like why do you think you haven't had a can of their beer or a bottle of their beer somewhere else this 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 system is why Tim's brewery is great and he's doing festivals and he's out there meeting people and making friends and every single person that meets him or his product fall in love with him. And I, I don't say that lightly. There are no. a lot of breweries I've met and I, I've, I've met the brewers and I've met the owners. Not all of them have the same charisma, taste, flavor, creativity of a Marker 48 or a Craft Life Brewing. But those who do have to participate in this game. 
and, and it shouldn't be mandated. You know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the hand of God that says you have to go through X and then sell it to Y just to profit from Z. It doesn't make sense, but I'm with you that's there. the way it is. And I, and I see the pros and cons. So closing, closing arguments, go ahead, Ryan. Um, You're in? Yeah, I'm in. I'm sure Lost Man has some important stats. Go for it. Uh, well, I think it's hogwash. <laughs> oh, that dog of mine. Oh, boy. Okay, uh. so like, I know that, like I said, I knew this was going to be a very much um, like, a good discussion, but I knew it was going to be a long one. So so that's yeah. it. That's it for the beer news. But um, I, I will leave the listeners out there with just a, a couple final things here. Uh, I would love to know thoughts you know how does this affect duis how does this affect cost of beers how does this affect availability of beers um by the county by the state by the region i mean how does distribution at the third tier level really affect you as consumer what is your opinion of it um please use the hashtag on on twitter um it's hashtag brewmasters club cast or simply reach out to at brewboy 813 that's right at Mr. Lostman, at Brewmasters Club on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Let us know your thoughts. Before we end this evening, we're going to run through a few notes here that we have from the geeky side. And this will be uh, this will be our last kind of hoorah. I first came across this because everybody's talking about this. Unless you guys have anything else closing out the beer? Anything? No, I, I remix the remix. I'm good. I'm, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're moving on to what everybody's been talking about, which is the Far Cry 5. Um, debut trailer and last man actually had the privilege of watching this earlier today i watched it a few days ago ryan watched it as well um basically this is a open world kind of concept that ubisoft dropped on everybody after their their one two three four franchise game that they've had with some peaks and valleys people like different parts of what um they brought different parts of what they didn't have um there is some continuity where you know three and four were pretty similar they, they exchanged bad guy x for bad guy y and it was kind of a you know like a different mix of what's going on they were all essentially isolated um you know we played just cause you know very similar where you're just causing a ruckus there's a mercenary there's an ex-fbi guy whatever it may be this new game far Cry 5, which is not out yet, but they simply released the trailer, I think, two days ago, has set, at least the United States, the, the gamer culture for, for the USA on fire, because there are news articles, there are people comparing it to Trump uh, philosophies and, and presidential tactics. Last man, did you play any of the, the Far Cries prior to this one? Because I really haven't. I dabbled minimally because it was a PlayStation title. <laughs> Which we never had. We were Xbox bros for, for the longest time. Exactly. But, Up until uh, this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I've, I've played it very minimally. I've kind of followed it probably more with like trailers um, and then I also had the uh, I, I dabbled a little bit in some of the uh, the, the four and I think three, um, and and they were fun. I just didn't it didn't sort of pan out like I didn't spend like forty or fifty hours on the game, which is I think what it calls for these days. Maybe a little under. So so let me just break it down uh, quickly in terms of like what the story is and and, and what's going on. But um, the story of Far Cry Five takes place in Montana. It's it's basically a unique and very different setting. So if you can imagine, if, you, if you're a gamer out there and you've you played Red Dead Redemption or you've played Red Dead, um, any of the games there, that they, they kind of take place you know, on the Old West and things are you know on horseback and it's open world to so climb in you know, valleys and, and peaks and, and mountains and different stuff and shooting, you know, hunting and things like that. 
well, this game takes place in present day. And essentially the plot is that um, you're this BFE town in, in Montana that, you know, that has been taken over essentially by religious cultist fanatics. And so what that means is that, you know, they've taken kind of Christianity and expanded upon it from, from a different perspective where this, this gentleman in, in yellow shaded sunglasses feels that he is the new God and, and, and people need to follow him. And so all of his followers, and, and it's nothing to the actual people that live there, but it's portrayed as rednecks and, and, and different things that, you know, are very, they're, they're parent of their, their, their right to bear arm. They all have them and they are readily using them to adapt people to their own culture and religion. That's, that's the political piece of it, is that where they make America Great Again campaign, this is taking some polls off there and making this section of America religious again. And by doing so, they're, they're you know, again, it's open world. Imagine like Grand Theft Auto, where you're, you're out there, you're killing people, you're, you're murdering, you know, you're doing drug deals and things like that. And this game kind of follows the same thing, where you are, I think, or going to be positioned as a police officer that is here in this town experiencing this uprising of all these religious fanatics from some awkward religion you know killing their neighbors if they don't agree and and so how do you combat that and and this is the open world piece where you can climb mountains and go fishing and have a pet dog and you know ride a horseback and do all your sorts of stuff but um it sounds nuts <laughs> i mean what do you guys think it, it absolutely looks and sounds insane i thought it was a movie when i saw that trailer to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think it's gonna be pretty neat yeah i mean it's uh i mean what's what's to hate about it dude it's got open worldness to it it's got some freedom in it it's got just a whole lot of craziness i do see a lot of uh just cause in there and i do see a yeah. lot of um at the same time like you said a uh, whole lot of uh, red dead in there if that's the case i hope there's just as much uh horse launching but that's that's a whole nother YouTube video where there was a glitch where it would just launch horses randomly into the skyline. Like you, you'd be on them too. And all of a sudden you go, <laughs> hope there's a lot of that. Um, but uh, some neat features to it. I mean, that's, that's what an open world game needs to do to stay relevant these days is actually have what the other guys didn't like GTA's first person view and their, you know, and then they're online and stuff like that. And hopefully all those types of, uh, you know, possibilities are there with this game. But I mean, even if they're not, it could still just be an awesome, you know, open world type shooter type, save the day type, maybe save the day kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, any thoughts on that? I mean, I know you, you basically saw the trailer. I don't know how many trailers. There's like eight trailers and there's a couple uh, character description videos that are out there. But what were your initial thoughts being from kind of an outside game perspective? perspective i i thought it was a far cry from normalcy to be honest with you i think that's the play on the entire franchise but go ahead i've been thinking about how I'll, how i'll use that all day long by the way oh, good um, for you. it it sounds and looks really interesting but i think you know it it's a little different in, in that sense it's a little i would encourage very realistic okay and yeah. that's what I would really, so between now and next week, I would love for you to dive a little bit deeper into it just because you have a different perspective than, than most of us that report back on this. But um, I would love to see what you think about that because there are some odd parallels. And what, what what's happening is that people that aren't gamers, people that aren't, I mean, like literally like the New York Times and stuff are reporting on this and, and talking about how it's bashing, you know, people that are, it, it's got these reminiscences of like Christianity you know, and these other things, which which is crazy. A video game should should push the envelope and push technology and get people to be feel engaged and to feel bizarre and to do things that you know they won't do. 
But now then you look back on the soccer moms 10 years ago that said, well, we're not going to let our kids play Goldeneye because you're shooting up, you know, uh, <laughs> people and, and, and showing blood stains and things like that. But like, we've came a long way from there. But they, this game, I think, will, will kind of set the forefront for, for a lot of different things. You know, Grand Theft Auto has always had this reputation of being this, like, just – I will never let my kids play this and whatever. And guess what? That only makes your kids want to play it more. They say this is political. They say this is religious. And I think it's just, it's a crazy tangent to try, but who knows? If, you, if, if video games aren't innovating, kids won't play them. And when I say kids, I mean, we will not play them. <laughs> I mean, like that's, that's just how it is. So they have to innovate. They have to make things different. I think this could be the Grand Theft Auto, which is one of the best-selling games of all time, you know, franchise-wise. You know, it, it could have that same connotation. So I'm all about it. Final thoughts before I run run through these these highlight details and we, we we cash out. Hope there are still mastodons. Don't think there will be. It's in Montana it's, in 2017. Have you been to Montana? Are there mastodons in Montana? If there are, please hashtag Brewmasters Mastodons. Brewmasters. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh shit! I just got it. <laughs> Brewmasters. Brewmasters down. We're gonna get a oh. lot of hits on that one, guys. <laughs> we need to of... stop making them hashtags because uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how people feel about that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Essentially, new things here. We've got the beasts. We've got the vehicles, the ATVs, the planes, uh, biplanes. Now you've got you've got machine guns. It is real time. It's it's current year. Um, for the first time ever, you'll have character customization where you can be a, a man, a woman, whatever you want to choose your race. Um, change your actual character customization. There'll be an entire uh, game that can be played through the two player or single player mode, which is fantastic. Jesus. If I had GTA with another buddy like you, Lost Man, and we didn't, we're, we're just forced to play multiplayer mode, you know, on the whole internet, be a lot of fun. Um, mm. Map editor, um, like previous games, we'll be back. That's really good. Um, again, this is is made by Ubisoft uh, Montreal, which is out of Canada, of course. Um, those guys made Far Cry 3, 4, and Primal. Um, so that should be much of the same, but again, totally revigorated by this uproar that's happening or this pr stunt that is or controversy um it is coming out for the ps4 the xbox one and the pc free bonus content is coming to the ps4 version while other players will have the option to buy it um this game will not be coming to the nintendo switch tier um essentially it's coming out february 27 2018 so it's nearly uh three quarters of a year away holy shit really 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 looking forward to it i'm telling you this this is a huge and everything that we watched on the trailers like why wouldn't they be coming out this summer like i I... they talked about zelda about a year before it came out so don't don't get don't don't act crazy i would (laughs) i would love let's see this gives them time to go on tour and by the fall time they'll have demos and they'll have uh previews and they'll have press events and they'll have all sorts of stuff there is more information but um yeah the last fact i want to leave we leave with you about this loss and you can attest to this because you told me to download this Bioshock Infinite, or Infinite, excuse me, uh, was based entirely around the forefathers' uh, religion and the patriotism of the worship of those forefathers. So this concept is not new. So, so just everybody that's listening, you guys included, when you hear people say, "Well, this is this is the the gamification of Trump's America or whatever it may be," tell them just to shut the hell up because mm-hmm. it's been done before. There is nothing about religion and these games and how lawless it can be and the killing and the misleading and all this kind of crap. It's been and done Macedon. be- in Macedon's. <laughs> it's been done before. 
Um, so don't so don't get your knickers in a bunch, right? We are here to play games to innovate. If we are not, we are bored, and we do not play games to be bored. That is what I want to end on. Um, and I, I don't know um, what you guys want to end on. Left? Any any final thoughts? Yes. So I have a well. I don't end on. Are we ending on the subject or ending on the? Oh. We're ending on your statement right now. Ooh. Uh, they're actually not going to take Star Wars: The Clone Wars off Netflix. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> all right, we weren't going to end right there. I meant just like, oh, that's yeah, nice. I thought good. I still have plenty of time oh. to catch up. Oh, boy. Well, all... then I kind of buried the lead on that one. They have all six seasons, right? As of right now? They have Four. everything. What is it? And... I don't know how many seasons it's... I've seen. I think it's about six. But uh, they have all of them, and they said they were going to get rid of them on March 7th, and it is not March 7th anymore. Um, and they, a spokesperson said just like two or three days ago that they were like, yeah, we're just going to keep it going. Well, it's June 1st, which is a lot <laughs> Fuck. Okay. But thank you for that spicy news tip. Deep, 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 deep. Spicy news tip from Wells. Wells, man, at the, at the news center. <laughs> uh, news is I feel uncomfortable how much Donnie's being The canceled. hurricane has come and gone three months later. Katrina has finally ended. <laughs> oh, Everyone on. is back in their homes. <laughs> Boys, thank you so much for a great evening. Where can the good people find you? Mr. Rye Guy, please. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter at BrewBoy813. And I'm also on Instagram now, which I've done like one picture of. So no idea right. how that works. He'll keep same, it coming. same name. Same name, by the way. Same name. BrewBoy813. Mr. Lousman, where can they find you? You can find me at Mr. Lousman. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah? How many yas? How many A's? Uh, how many Y's? Just, well, that's, there was a comma. Was there, there was a comma now? Can they do There's a comma a, no. in hashtags? I don't think they like Is it Y A Y apostrophe or not it's, apostrophe exclamation mark? That's what I meant. The whole different statement. Jesus. So, yep. Yeah. In general, yeah. <laughs> you guys did it perfect. In general, <laughs> in general, please do um, hashtag your questions at Brewmasters Club and the hashtag Brewmasters Club cast um, also works. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Brewmasters Club. Um, please do let us know what's going on if you feel like hanging out. Um, or supporting the show by any means. Uh, the Cynic system, purchase one if you'd like to. It's great. It's really a cool thing. We're going to have a video here of me actually using it and, and talking to friends, getting their opinions about it. Um, but in the meantime, the, uh, the Amazon link at the bottom of this video or podcast also links to our Amazon affiliate. So if you actually click that link, then buy something regular status-wise. It does not cost you anything different. Um, but yet it will give us a kickback somehow due to wizardry magic. I'm not quite sure, but we appreciate you. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening guys. Anything else? We are golden. We'll see you next Thursday. All right. Speaking of of golden, Ryan, the way that we always close out every podcast, um, our famous catchphrase is cheers. Hey, well, so our famous catchphrase is (laughs) Bananarama. (laughs) That works. (laughs) You've been listening to the official podcast of the brewmasters club craft brews, and geek news. Grab a beer with the guys and be sure to subscribe to catch additional content. Add this podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Chat with the guys on Twitter at Brewmasters Club and Facebook and online at www.brewmasters.club. Cheers. <laughs>